Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, everybody. NBA Intel has returned. I'm your host, Kim Bumani, with my co-host, Clement Gibson. Man, we back. Ready to talk hoops again. Uh, three weeks away from the NBA preseason. We're just NBA basketball being back. So can't wait for that. Before we dive into some topics, want to touch base, Clem, on something that dropped before we were able to come on the air um, a few days ago, rather. NBA, man, they're trying hard to make these guys play. So they dropped a new rule. I'm going to call it the Kawhi Leonard, Paul George rule, um, preventing anti-resting from teams when it comes to their stars. Long story short, from now on, you can no longer rest two stars on the same night. Um, two all-star caliber guys. Um, you got to pick one, Um, kind of break them out, break them up rather evenly. And so your thoughts, Clem, on this rule rather, do you think it's an effort that the NBA has made that will be effective? Or is it something that you expect teams to maybe play gate around? Because the caveat is can't rest two guys unless they're injured. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, it's going to be a big play on words. Uh, injured is going to be defined in so many different ways now. Um, so ultimately, I think the first year of any new rule is going to have its ups and downs and um, things that may work, may not work. But there's some interesting um, takeaways I saw. Number one, um, they don't have to rest the play or they don't have to make them play, but they will get fined if they do not play. Um, and then some of that money goes to the Players Association as well. So I thought that was an interesting caveat. I think the NBA was smart in giving an incentive to the Players Association um, for things like this, because then that'll give them like a little bit of leverage. Like, hey, you know, you get a bit of, a piece of the pie but also like we want you that's kind of like them sh telling the pa like we want you guys to you know make sure you hold your guys accountable you know you're getting paid for this they should be playing but uh this is a way for us to bring you guys in and ultimately we know the nba is a business and um they're in contract negotiations for media rights uh, i'm not sorry not media rights but um media for like how how much they're gonna um get games to be shown throughout the course of uh, next year and following. So if there's a situation where ESPN and the um, the other partners come and say, hey, we've seen a decline in superstars, you know, playing in these type of games, we're losing revenue off of it. That affects the NBA's money, which in, in affects the players' money. Um, and it can get real ugly, honestly, if, if guys continue to just be like, I don't care, because then we're really going to see the salary cut down and people are really going to have lots of complaint about. But I think it's a good step in the right direction. Yeah, not a bad step indeed. And <clears throat> this is something the owners agreed upon and they're going to get fined. Like it's their organizations that are going to get fined mm -hmm. and the money's going to come out, out of their pockets. So I expect, I think this rule to be productive because uh, look, man, if there's one thing rich people don't like giving away money <laughs> that mm -hmm. they don't dictate being given away. Um, now, if it's them giving away to a foundation or something that they're able to preordain, that's different from the business, the legal office saying, I got to come out of pocket because your star player doesn't want to hoop. Um, look, man, I think the NBA, they raised the, the game totals you got to achieve to be eligible for awards. They're now making rules where organizations are going to be fine. I think the days of, um, consistent periodical rest i think they're kind of over like i think from here on out 
I think the league is challenging all of these teams to get with it. And I think this is a direct shot at the Clippers, per se, personally. But it seems like from an individual tip, I think they're ready to move forward this year and be more regular season friendly. Um, because just the energy, looking at Balmer, looking at Paul George, I mean, we haven't really heard Kawhi say anything, but those two guys have kind of basically been like, we hate that this is a narrative. Put Ty Lue in there as well. We hate this is a narrative. We want to take the regular season serious because it'll go a long way in playoff positioning, us getting into our flow and rhythm. So when playoff ball comes, we have a system, a rotation in place to where we can go out and be successful. It's kind of second nature since we practice it out in the regular season. Um, but you know, like every rule, there's going to be some nights where guys are going to be injured and they're not going to play. And those injuries may magically disappear at the end of the week and then they'll be out there. And you can't really do anything about that because only one person knows their body. It's the player. And yeah. I guess an outside vo voice rather that's in tune with their body is the team doctors. That's about it. I mean, there's really nothing else you can do. But I do think that players are getting the memo. And they're going to go out there and play. Um, and that will that cut down on injuries? We'll see. I don't really know. But I think the product this year is going to be really good consistently on a week-to-week -week basis because top players are going to be out there playing. They they don't really have a choice, especially since now they've incentivized, well, incentivized things that they really want. MVPs, All-Stars, All-NBAs, mm -hmm. all of these things are an important part in terms of these guys' ability to get big-time contract extensions. I just saw didn't know this would be a massive overplay. Jaron Jackson can get a $300 million contract if he wins defensive player of the year again next year or as an all NBA player next year. He could get that. So doubt he's going to be missing games because <laughs> he's yeah. going to try to get that. So, I mean, once you start tapping in the guy's checks, that's when people are able to listen. And that's an effective way to create change. So um, I think everybody wins. Um, I, I know when it started, guys like Draymond were whining and complaining, but it's like, bro, like you kind of got your money. We don't really care. This is for the young generation coming up that's trying to get that bag. And in order yeah. to get that bag, you got to be out there and play. So interested to see what happens. Your final thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's coming at a good time, too, because as we've seen, even the bad teams in the league um, have future perennial all-stars and all-NBA caliber guys. So we want to see them play anyways. And they're going to be the ones, like you said, that are going to benefit or, you know, face the, the detriments of, of these rules. And I think it's a direct call out. And he said this, Adam Silver said this in his statement um, against like the, the side, the, the sports scientists, doctors, like there isn't any data being shown that them not playing is helping. And honestly, it's a, there's a couple podcasts I've listened to where they've talked about it's being um, like, it's not helping the fact that these are professional athletes, like your body's used to, it gets into a rhythm and a habit. Like if you're constantly turning it on and off, I think that has a bigger chance of leading to injuries than if you, if you train in the preseason to be a certain way and you coast during the regular season and then you, you know, maybe you have your little dip before playoffs or all-star breaks, things like that. But the constant start and stop, I think definitely plays a part in injuries, but I'm glad that they're uh, finding a way to do this. And I hope that, you know, they come to a good resolution because, you know, we like to see our, our guys play. Man. We do, man. We do. So hopefully this works.
Because if it does, great NBA league pass content for sure. For sure. Uh, for sure. Moving on, man. It's been a minute. It's been been a week. We could say a week since this happened, but the United States men's basketball team, we lost FIBA, bro. It's kind of a tradition, bro. We always lose FIBA. Um, we only won the world tournament three times in the last 30 years, so this isn't anything new. But this one kind of stunned. Lost to Germany in the World Cup semifinals, 113-111, where I could arguably say the game was lost in the third quarter um, when Germany outscored the Americans 35-24. to Anthony Edwards, he had 23 points and 10 to 17 shooting. And the U.S. even outshot Germany, bro, from three, 13 to 12. This was a team coming in, didn't have a lot of knockdown three-point shooters. That was arguably one of our Achilles heels that could be the detriment to the team's fall. But they shot the ball pretty well. But Jaron Jackson, their big man, starting big guy, played only 19 minutes, zero minutes in the third quarter. And a game where he had one foul, I arguably think that was the downfall of the team. And Germany eviscerated America's small ball lineup that featured, you guessed it, um, Paolo Ventura at the five. Uh, Germany had three guys over 20. Um, clutch three ball from Andreas Obst. He's not in the league, actually. So their best their best score was not in a shooter. It was Andreas. He had 24 points, six assists, clutch three over Halliburton that I thought put the game away down the stretch. Daniel Tice had 21 and seven. Franz Wagner had 22 and five. So my big question to you, Clint. Has America finally been caught up in international play after a disappointing loss in FIBA? You know, I'll preface it by saying I was looking back at our notes from the last pod. Um, and the question there was, is um, the USA team a medalist lock? And I said that it depends on which medal, but I, I, I thought that they would medal. Yeah, so we wrong there. Um, and I said that I was guessing gold, but Canada scares me. Canada obviously got bronze, and um, and I had the team that the other team that scared me was Germany and Australia. Germany obviously won, um, and then um, Australia didn't even make it to the um, quarterfinals. But I say that to say I think the world has caught up, and I think more even more importantly, I think we've aged. Yes. Um, I just took a look at the the last 20 years of um, Olympic basketball, right? So 2004, we have we have prime Tim Duncan in his late yeah. 20s, uh, prime AI in his late 20s. We go five and three, we don't win. I think Duncan should have gotten a little more slack for it, but what do I know? Um, <laughs> 2008 comes, um, we have Kobe, LeBron, Wade. We got late 20s Kobe in his prime. Uh, mid twenties, Wade in his prime as well, and then early twenties, um, LeBron, who's just entering. Yeah, just entering his prime. But young, that LeBron is prime most year for NBA All Stars. So yeah, 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 for sure. Um, they they go eight and zero. They win everything. That's a redeemed team year. Come back, yada yada yada. Twenty twelve, we got Bron, Kobe, and KD. Kobe on the edge of his prime. Bron smack dead in the middle. KD coming off of an MVP entering his prime. We go 8-0. 2016, we have KD, 8-0. He's still in his prime. This is just before he goes over to uh, the Warriors. Um, Golden State and goes to three straight finals, wins back-to-back -back finals MVPs. Um, and then 2020, again, we have KD kind of on the later edge of his prime, net years. Um, we go 5-1. What I want to harp on, for one, I listed all that out just to say, 
every single year in the last 20 years, we've had not only the best player, but the second best player in the world on our yeah. team. And not right. only have they been on our team, but they've been in their prime, prime. or they've yeah. been coupled with guys getting out of their prime or entering their prime. So we've had a nucleus to where we can be like, okay, Kobe's getting old, but Bron's here. He's in his prime. Or um, Katie's getting a little older, but we have Dane Lillard, who probably isn't one of the – I wouldn't say is better than everybody in the tournament, but I put my bet up against 2020 Dane Lillard against anybody else in that tournament and probably put him over pretty much anybody. The problem now is – we there was never a time where we could look around at, on another at another team and be like, oh, we don't have the best player, or we don't have um, our best players in their prime. That's going to be our reality in 2024, and that's where the real problem is because there's prime Giannis, there's prime Jokic, and Jokic's team. Jokic's team, team. <laughs> like they're yeah, already bro. good. <laughs> they're already good. Jokic <laughs> is young and getting better. Right. Uh, and then there's still more guys who didn't play. Like they're a really deep team. Um, uh, Luca in Slovenia, like yeah. he's only getting better. I don't know how much they're going to compete, but still, like in a in a single game elimination, like all it takes is one loss and. Luke is the kind of guy who can go for 40 on any given night and just, you know, mess up your medal chances. And B is, you know, there's a chance he may play with the U.S. There's a chance he may play with France. I doubt he'll play with Cameroon. Um, But just just his playing style, I don't even know if it's going to be beneficial for the U.S. to have him. I think it would be good, obviously, one less person to worry about, but it's still like I don't know if it's beneficial for what they need to win in the Olympics. And then you have SGA who continues to rise up that ladder. Um, and his team is pretty stacked too. Andrew yeah. Wiggins didn't play. Um, O'Shea uh, Brissett didn't play. Didn't play. Benedict Mathurin didn't, didn't play. Shaden Sharp didn't play. Jamal Murray didn't play. Shaden Sharp didn't play. Like it's, yeah. it's literally a wealth of talent. I feel like every day I'm learning that somebody's from Canada that I didn't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then not even to mention the Bahamas, who out of nowhere, bro, out of nowhere. I did not know Aaron Gordon was from the Bahamas. I did right. not know Evan Mobley had family from the Bahamas. Wow, I knew about great. Buddy Hill already, um, and then uh, yeah. knew about Aiton. But now they have like a full NBA starting five, and I'm sure if, if Evan plays, his brother's gonna play too. Correct. Um, he's not like a a rotational guy in the NBA, but like he's definitely gonna be conducive to helping their team compete so you just look around even south sudan like they're building a really good team over there and they have um um there's a i think a 16 year old over there who's like seven two um who knows what he's gonna be in the next year or so and then another uh, guy alex star uh for australia who's supposed to be like competing with cooper flag for the um number one pick this coming draft um so France is getting up there. Canada's getting up there. Australia's getting up there. Like there's so many, so many different countries are rising their game. And we unfortunately are um, digre- uh, digressing because of the age and just the fact that our top guys, I think, are Booker um, and, and Tatum. Tatum, yeah. Unfortunately, 
Obviously, Ja, Zion, there's more guys, but Ja has a lot of stuff going on. Zion has a lot of That's stuff going on. a lot of stuff going on, right. A lot of stuff going on. So, like, those are the only two American guys that I can really say definitively I know they will show up and play. And yeah. they're, they've been all NBA caliber guys. Um, they play both sides of the ball, so I can trust that they'll show up. But I just don't see a world where these guys, LeBron, Curry, KD, who has also struggled with injuries, are yeah. going to come back and play this level of defense. Curry's not known for defense. We know Bron's defense has, has straight off. KD still off. Defense, but defense, but he can't do can't it. Ask, yeah. yeah, you can't ask these guys to, to play that level of defense for right. an entire Olympics after playing a year of worth of basketball. So long story short, I think that we're still going to have the most talented teams. For sure. Uh, but I think that us are like us getting golds like as a lock is not going to be something that we're going to be seeing. I think we're going to be seeing more silvers and bronze maybe. Um, yeah. I don't, I'm not ready to say we're just not going to win, but, um, or medal, I should say, but I don't, I don't think we're, we're gold locks anymore. I think we'll definitely be competing more so for those bronze and silver medals. Yeah, man, I'm agreeing with you. And I'm going to take a step forward with this conversation. I think this is a pivotal moment for NBA slash AAU basketball. And follow me a little bit there. I saw somebody make a comment on Twitter. I'm not going to lie. It was wild. But I do think (laughs) there was validity validity in it. And they were kind of like, man, they really priced out the Urban Hooper. Really, the hood, the hood hooper. He's priced out of the game mm-hmm. of basketball. Like AAU now, especially with guys like Melo, LeBron, Rondo, NBA guys making their own AAU teams, where they could kind of be able to kind of control the narrative in terms of this. Who am, this is the person in my family I want to be the star of the team, and then everybody else. If you want to join, you better be really good or have enough money to kind of pay yourself on the squad. And now we don't see any more the the Kobe's, the KGs. The LeBrons, as phenomenal as LeBron was as a superstar, he was a he was a project talent. He's from the trenches. He's from the hood. So, I mean, like he made it, you know what I'm saying? But people forget that he went from there to billionaire. You kind of forget his origin story at times. So, you know, John Morant almost was not an NBA player. Like, I, I think yeah. a lot of people don't understand his recruiting story happened out of luck. Like, a guy was yeah. there getting a bag of chips, and he saw mm-hmm. John on the other side of the court hooping, mm-hmm. and he was like, let me give you a scholarship. So, look, man, I think it's going to take American basketball to stumble on international play from maybe a guy like a silver to kind of be like, okay, we need to stop monopolizing basketball and open it up more to the – communities is not getting that recognition that they used to. And I understand why it's come that way because the league's trying to go through a, what I like to call a brand change where it's like, Mm -hmm. yo, we want this product to be really kid friendly. So we're not really looking for the poverty hooper to come in and save us. I mean, you got some stories like Ja came from poverty. Um, Amani Bates kind of came from poverty. Uh, Zion moved a lot. He didn't really come from poverty, but he moved a lot and played everywhere. So you have some of those instances, but then you got uh, others. Uh, I I could go a step further. Jason Tatum's from St. Louis, you know, from a single from a single parent. Well, not really a single parent. Also, his dad was in his life, but um, 
you know, he wasn't an AAU celebrity. Like he really dominated and star at his school, like at his high school, Chaminade. So I think this this is what it is, because in other countries, Serbia, Canada, um, even the African country, South Sudan, there there is no AAU allegiance. It's just like, yo, you're playing basketball at a young age. Um, if you're really good, we want you on our, our national team. We want to groom you and build you up in our national team. And once you get older and older, you're going to be the face and help us get this gold. There's no like national. We don't really have a national team, Clem. We don't. It's kind of like none of us take FIBA serious. And then we kind of just get our superstars to come into the Olympics and save the day. Why all these other countries establish their groundworks of international basketball in the FIBA ranks. And now, you know, look, man, NBA talked all that smack when Noah Lyle said his commentary. We got embarrassed and lost, and now we want the old heads to save the day in the Olympics. I, I'm not sure that's the answer. And let's say it is the answer. That's a short-term answer because the next Olympics, LeBron, Durant, and Curry, they're not going to be there. So who else is going to rise up and save the day? You know what I'm saying? Like Who else is going to take the mantle in and star? And so I think this is going to be a – game-changing ever for NBA basketball. I would not be surprised, Clint, towards the end of this decade, the Urban Hooper is getting love again from the NBA. They're starting to go into these communities where, you know, maybe they're marginalized and tapped out. We're looking for, okay, who could come in and have that hunger that we can potentially groom in the international ranks in U17, U19, U21. And then once we are able to do that, they're able to kind of carry the torch and help us star at the national level with the senior national team. Because just relying on the AAU ranks to produce talent, man, AAU ranks have underdeveloped the big. Jaron Jackson, I think, I saw I saw an interview from a couple years ago. He talked about how as a high school big, he was taught to shoot threes and rim run. <laughs> like that, That's what he was yeah. taught. And you can see at the international level, the fundamentals from his game just weren't there. He was not good at boxing out. He was not good at staying disciplined. Um, he's working on his post move. I saw flashes, but it's not there. And when you're playing against guys like Nikola Vucevic, who's like 30-something years old, he's been polished and he's done this all his life. He's killing you inside. Daniel Tice is not a big-time name in the NBA, but he's a fundamental big that established his roots throughout his playing days as an international kid to where now at this stage, he can play Jaron Jackson off the floor. And this is what yeah. we're talking about, man. The AU, bro, they're not developing these guys. They're pricing out guys who really want it. And now you build a team where, you know, everybody looks at Anthony Edwards and it's like, okay, he's the guy. But even I knew deep down, Ant is not there yet to elevate us to a gold. Like, he's not. And we don't have enough guys of Ant's caliber who are able to just dig in and get consecutive, consecutive stops. But we had that with the Redeem team, with Cole, Wade, Bron. You know, we could lean on Cole down the stretch, but then D-Wade can take over for a quarter. And that changed the whole magnitude of the game. So I think this, the reality is pricing out basketball is going to expose us on the international stage. It will never expose us in the NBA because everybody comes to the NBA to hoop. I mean, it's right. the best league in the world. But on the international stage, we get embarrassed. Guys are going to start having conversations about, man, you know, you know, man, remember the days of Cole, LeBron, Wade, and then everybody's going to start seeing the connector. Like, oh, all of these kids came from the churches, like the inner city. 
And they their ability got them out of it and made them become global superstars. But that's what a talent always was. You know what I'm saying? And not tapping into that is going to hurt us. I genuinely feel healthy jaw, healthy Zion. No issues. We win. Despite Kerr being trash. And I'm going to get to Kerr later. Despite Kerr being trash. I think those two guys make the difference over a Banchero and Bobby Porras. I do. Like I think they're the difference. You know, but they're not there. And you're starting to see, you know, Brunson's cool, but he's not the league guard we need on international play. You know, we don't need a Kyrie Irving type guard on international play to dominate the ball in the starting lineup. We need a John Morant. We need a Tyrese Halliburton who kind of got minutes, but then didn't get it. You know, all right, Jaron Jackson's cool, but it's clear he's not a traditional five. So we need a Jared Allen there that can do the dirty work and allow Jaron to roam and play to his strengths. So, you know, just a bevy of things, but that's really the tip I wanted to touch base on. And I'm going to give the floor back to you. Um, do you think potentially, man, with us continuously getting exposed on the international level, that'll force the NBA to kind of reassess how they evaluate talent across the nation? Yeah, I mean, man, you, you make some really good points. And the one that kept coming up to me is, is this. Fundamentals. Fundamentals, Fundamentals bro. Because it's, it's, it's so crazy to me because when we look at the guys who are at the top tier of the league, I know we see all the talent, we see the glitz and the glamour, but at the core of their game is fundamentals. When we look at the, the um, successful Olympic teams, we can see the guys who will do the dirty work. I think one of the, the things that stood out to me the most about like that redeemed team documentary is just the fact that like when Kobe came in, it was like, all right, well, I'm not Wade can do the score. I want to be like the the defensive guy who's gonna do the dirty work. And everybody keeps talking about the talent. Oh yeah, we're gonna get Brown, we're gonna get Curry. Yeah, but who on that team is gonna do the dirty work? Exactly. And that's 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 what it comes out. Who on that team is gonna do the fundamentals? And we, I think we've been spoiled because we, we've had like a, a mixture of both for so long. Like Tim Duncan, I mean, we missed it fundamental. Um, but he grew up in the Virgin Islands. Like he, he's not really American. He went to yeah. school here, but he's not American. So we should be even grateful that he decided he to played. play for, you know, <laughs> right. Cause he could, like, I'm sure he wasn't going to play for the Virgin Islands because their team wasn't very good. But had they been good, had he grew up in this day and time, um, where I think there is um, a push for people to be more connected to their roots. That's yeah. why you're seeing it Evan Mobley play for Bahamas um, and Eric Gordon, because none of them are born there. Even Clay Thompson talking yeah. about it. None of them were born there, but their parents were, and now they want to do it for their parents and their moms, or, um, their bloodline and, and history. So, uh, I think the fundamentals is a big thing, and that dirty work is is that's why I think pe people have been like, oh, well, I don't think Book's a good fit. I think he's the only guy, like only superstar player, I think today where I can be like, I can put him on the court with other stars and just tell him to play defense, and he'll do that to the best of his ability. You know, he's yes. not a great defender, great defender. But yeah. I know he's he's. He's going to do his best to do it. Tatum, I know he'll do it for stretches, but for a yeah. whole game, I just don't trust yeah. that he'll do it. Obviously, we've seen 
I don't expect Bron and KD to do it because of the age. And Curry has never been that guy, especially in the international play. Like, I really want to see what they're he's going to look like. They're going to hunt him, bro. We just saw what they're happened gonna, with Austin Reeves, Reeves, bro. Austin Reeves, yes. He and obviously, I know Curry's more athletic. Curry's, yeah. um, I, I would I would probably say he was he's stronger, too. But he is physically smaller. And um, as much as he has improved on defense and he's a, a better rebounder for, like, long rebounds and stuff, um, I think even sometimes on defense, like falling asleep, if you really like watch Golden State Warriors basketball, you'll see Draymond yells at him a lot on defense because he does miss defensive assignments. So I think that'll be interesting. And the last thing I want to talk about, I think the grassroots uh, hoops is good. And I think it is something that we should tap back into. But a lot of them dudes are like raw talent too. Like they need the fundamentals and need the yeah. good coaching. And then, but the ultimately, I don't think it's going to work with that because of the branding and marketing lifestyle we live in now. Yeah. Once upon a time, you could get a guy from, you know, the hood, put him on an AU team, you know, give him some shoes, you know, give him all the basic necessities you need to like, you know, not a, just like go on in life and be happy, you know? Right. Good shoes to play basketball in, good shoes to wear at school, nothing fancy, nothing cars, none of that. Nowadays, especially with NIL, with N- I, I, I support NIL. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think there's a standard now for young athletes. Like, they don't want, like, the bare minimum. Like, back in the day where you can get somebody and they'll just be appreciative of the fact, like a LeBron James, like, oh, you don't give me shoes? I, I just got to right. come to your camp and play? Now it's they like I got shoes like yeah. I got millions of followers. What do I need you for? You know, That's like yeah. oh yeah, I don't got fundamentals, but have you seen my mixtape? I'm I'm toast. <laughs> I'm toast. That's facts, bro. <laughs> but my bag is deep. Like right. can't nobody guard me. So we got That's like true. speaking of Kevin Porter. Kevin Porter got Kevin Porter got game. You know, I know you love Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole got game. But we got a lot more Jordan Pools, Ke- Kevin Porter's. Like we're we're making a lot of the same product. And then when I look over at guys like Franz uh, Wagner, who's six yeah. ten, can play uh, playmate, plays right. defense, shoots the ball, shoots the ball, can play post, inside, can, can yeah, inside outside. You look at guys like Josh Giddy, who has improved his game so much. You look yes. at SGA. You look at so many of these products, and a lot of them, they didn't get the notoriety until they got to the NBA. Like, yes, they got the camps, but it was always like that chip on their shoulder because it was like when they go up to the the Nike camps, it's always all the American guys. Like, they were always trying to prove that they were on that level, too. So the guys now coming up in in the AAU for the United States, there's no chip on their shoulder. It's like they got it made. Like, look at these dudes, sweet sixteens. Look at their proms, bro. Like, yeah. <laughs> like they, they, they live in lavish. Like they're like basketball is not like a it's not do or die for them anymore. It's like it's not. I wanna do this so I can get, you know, more girls, more money, yada yada yada. But it's not really like I wanna show that I'm the best of the world. I wanna show that I like I'm about to leave my country and do all this stuff. Because if that was the case, we wouldn't be seeing Zion and stuff he's wrapped up in. We wouldn't see Ja wrapped up in the stuff, you know, that he's in. So, yes, I think grassroots could help. But ultimately, I think we would have to create a culture where um, they're okay with not benefiting financially or clout-wise 
from being on these teams. It would have to be something that's a privilege. And right now it's not, it's, uh, it's something that to them, it's just like, Oh, well, I'm, I'm good. So I deserve to be here, you know? So I don't know, man. I, I honestly don't know what the answer is right now. I think we're going to have to get whooped the next three or four Olympics three or something four, to change. Yeah. And that just might, that might, that might happen. That may happen, man. But man, one final thing before we pivot, bro. I think the big, I just want to touch base on it. Great topic. Great topic indeed. I really do want to touch base on who I think from the FIBA team that lost, who I do see potentially be an addition to the Olympic team next summer. And why I think Steve Kerr should not coach this team at all. Please, please give it to Eric Spolster, bro. Please, please, bro. But I do think um, Halliburton, Gail Bridges, Jaron Jackson, Anthony Edwards, and I'm going to say Austin Reeves. Now, I, I get it. You say Austin Reeves, you like, Austin Reeves, I mean, he's not a superstar. He's not a star. He's barely a starter on the Lakers. But if you want to have Reeves that you're like 14th or 15th, man, I'm down. Because I did like how Austin Reeves played. He has an international game. Now, he will get hunted defensively like he was in the semifinals. Basically, was kind of, at some points, unplayable. Like, he was getting hunted. But I do think that those guys deserve to be on the national team because I thought they had skill sets that would go very well for the A-team, quote to speak, to accompany the A-team. Like, Anthony Edwards, I said this before, I, I I didn't really like the, I like to call it the corny push of him being the face of the league. I feel like half of it was the troll, John Moran, and then I think the other half of it was <laughs> because people really like him, and they want him yeah. to be something that he's not. And he's not there yet, which is why I think if he's on the national team next summer, he's coming off the bench. Devin Booker is totally playing in front of him. He's going to start. Um, Jaron, bro, they need Jaron, bro. Like, they need size. He didn't play well but at all. <laughs> but if he's a backup big that you could put out there for 8 to 10 minutes besides another big like an AD or a Jared Island or let's say Embiid's on the team, if he's by another center, he's a lot more effective than him being your center because he's just not undisciplined enough, and he just can't fundamentally block out a rebound. Um, I like what Mikael Bridges brings as a rotational wing. He's a 3 and D guy. You need that. You say they need it. Who's going to do the dirty work? Mikael Bridges can do the dirty work. He's done that a lot throughout his career. And I like how Tyrese Halliburton ran offense. I did. I thought he should have started as the tournament went on. But Kerr loved Brunson's edge, his grit, and his leadership. But it was clear that Brunson <laughs> provided no type of playmaking or offensive cohesion as the floor general. He just couldn't. I thought Brunson serves better as a six man, a guy that can come in and get buckets. So I think those are guys. I know the rumor is LeBron's pushing for a team made by him, the Avengers, to come save the day. I've heard Curry. I've heard, I heard that one. All right. I've heard Curry. I've heard KD. I've heard him. I've heard AD. I've heard Tatum. I've heard Booker. I mean, bro, that's an old team. Um, I also heard guys like De'Aaron Fox and others are interested. And I'm like, don't know if De'Aaron Fox should make the team over Morant, Cunningham. I, I don't I don't really know. And Kay Cunningham was talking like he had a spot on the FIBA team that he passed mm -hmm. up because he feels like he's going to be on the national team. And I like Cade's two-way ability. And he's 6'6". He's a big guard. So, um, you know, I, I think the answer for the national team, bro, is a balance. I, I don't think you need 
if they're gonna roll out a starting lineup with three 37 year olds, we're gonna lose. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, 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 we're gonna lose, bro. I can't I can't cap. We're gonna lose. That's not the answer. <laughs> That's not the answer, bro. I'm cool with Curry starting. LeBron yeah. and Durant, you gotta come off the bench, bro. I'm sorry, you see not to. You gotta come off the bench. And they won't like it. They'll probably advocate for it not to happen. But you got to. You have to. And I, I'm of a believer where, bro, I think we win this year if Steve Kerr, time to get on his butt, understood I can't play small. I don't have a small ball roster. Like, if I wanted a small ball roster, I should have advocated for who's the guy in the league that he plays small ball and he's effective at the five. I Outside of Draymond, he's kind of old. Um, if I wanted a small ball team, there was somebody in my Daddy mind, like, young. Daddy, uh, he's old, but uh, that young. Uh, uh, small ah, ball. Small ball lineup. I think you should have got Jalen Duran or Isaiah Stewart. I wanted them too. Like if you uh, want, oh, yeah, I think I think I said Beef Stew. Um, Beef Stew, right? Yeah, like, I, think I, did, I did recommend, recommend Beef Stew. Right, Beast Stew. If you wanted a small ball lineup, get one of those two guys. He didn't. Yeah. All right, he rolled out Jaron to be the five, and he just he just couldn't do it. And then. When he was mad at him for not playing how he wanted him to play, he put Banchero in there, who is 6'10", but he's more of a 6'10 wing than a 6'10 big. So, I, Curry got exposed, bro. Like, he should not coach this team. Spolster would be better because he would prioritize defense, and Spolster has shown throughout his Miami Heat coaching career. He is very good at lineup flexibility, understanding what works and what doesn't at certain times. We saw in the playoff run, for the Heat that got him to the finals, there were times where he would play Max Struess. There were times where he wouldn't play Max Struess. He put Duncan Robinson out there. There were times where he did have Bam at the five. And then sometimes Bam would be at the four. So it's one of those situations where I'm trusting Spo to get the most out of these guys and play lineups out there that are effective on both ends. So I want Spo coaching the national team. I don't think that's going to happen, though, because it sounds like Curry's yeah. ready to show. And he's supposed to say. <laughs> I, I hate to break it to you, man. Let me tell you, let me tell you a thing about politics. And I know we're, we're, we're staying on this topic for a while. So this is like my final thoughts. I don't know why my video is not coming off, but um, there we go. So I put together a list already. Um, and politics matter because you got to have guys in the that 10 to 15, not even 10, got to have guys really in the 8 to 15 row. They got to be like seven guys who are okay with not playing. And I think that's the hardest part about selecting these teams because you're getting guys who are stars on their teams who's used to getting touches who either are not going to play or are going to get in and get yanked pretty quick or either are going to get in and be like, don't take shots, just play defense. Um, so here's my list. Obviously, Curry. Curry's going to be the coach. I'm sorry. It, it, it's it's set in stone. Sad days. Curry, <laughs> Curry, Curry's going to be the guy. Halliburton showed that he can play at the next level. Um, yeah. I think he's going to be Curry's backup. Um, I don't like them as a two two man tandem as uh, because they both are defensive liabilities. However, yeah. I think the relationships they made will get them there. Um, Brunson's going to be the third string point guard. He just is. They came he, in. Yeah. They came yeah. in thinking he was going to be their guy. He's a good leader, and he will be comfortable not playing and yeah. will show up every day and still be a great teammate, great leader, all of that. That's and you true. need that on your bench. Shooting guards, I got Book, Mitchell, and Ant. I think similar to Ant, 
he's going to be a guy who he may be in that eight to nine rotation where he's going to play some big games. He won't. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, he's a very easygoing guy. I don't think he'll mind much. Mitchell, I think they'll put into that like a little bit of the um, the Wade role. I think they're going to feel it out to see if he can come in, be instant offense. And uh, he can play defense when he wants to. He just doesn't always just want always to. Always do it. And he's really undersized. He's one. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tatum, uh, I have – I really want Jimmy to play. I think Jimmy can be that, like, if there – I mean, I don't know if there's no, like, Kobe piece, but I think he can be that guy who's like, I'm not here to make friends with y'all. Like, I'm here to win. He's older, too, so it just depends on how far they go in the playoffs. But right. my replacement for him is is uh, Jalen Brown. I think he'd be in a he's, – he's a really good two-way guy. He falls asleep sometimes on defense, but he has the size, athleticism. And, again, I think he's a guy who's one at a high level and – would be okay not, you know, playing key moments and still be ready to, like, show up. And then the bigs, I have Bam, Paolo, um, and AD. <laughs> I, I don't think AD would make it through the whole thing, especially after a whole regular season. Yeah. I think it's going to turn into one of those situations where it's, like, AD and Bron are kind of going to turn into, like, the player coaches where, yeah. like, they're going to play if they need to, but – Unless they really, really need to, they're not going to be get put into like these That's games true. at a high level. Um, and then obviously KD's on there too. Uh, but I think Paolo is going to make the team because Jamal Mosley's one of the coaches. He's going to bring his guy. I think he's going to improve uh, next year um, as a tweener at that four or five, um, and then also some three. And then I think Bam is Bam's like the perfect guy for this type of team. I just he hope is. he doesn't play he for is. the Nigerian team. Um, but I know you mentioned and Bistu. Uh, Durin, even Mark Williams, like I would like guys yeah. like that to play for this team because you need guys who are just going to play defense, rebound, and work hard, run the floor. But right. that's my list. Uh, we'll see if it comes true. Yeah, man, we'll see indeed. One final thing before we move on, bro. You did talk about politics. It's very important. I did I did think, you know, I don't listen to everything he says because sometimes he can be clownish. The Gilbert Arenas did touch base on shoe deals as being an important aspect of who plays on these teams and who doesn't. We got to be honest here. Got to say a name. He's very popular. If John Moran stays out of trouble, he's probably going to be on the team because <laughs> he's the face of Nike right now as a young superstar. So if he stays out of trouble, they're gonna they're gonna create a spot for him. Now, who who jumps off? Who knows? I don't know. Uh, we'll see. But yeah, keep that in mind. That's also an aspect of politics, just being real. Um, moving yeah. on, man. Charlotte Hornets and her playoff chances, bro. Had a conversation about this in the chat. We gotta go in depth on it right now. Last year was a forgettable season for this program. Twenty-seven fifty-five, bro. A year ago, Miles Bridges didn't play at all. You know why? He's being an idiot, a straight idiot. Lamelo Ball was in and out of the lineup most of the year. Um. And coming into this season, bro, once Bridges' suspension is over in 10 games, he'll be back to pair with a core of Melo, P.J. Washington, Brandon Miller, Mark Williams. Um, will those guys in your eyes, bro, um, and for now, Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward because they didn't get traded. I don't know why, but they didn't get traded. Um, so those guys could potentially come off the bench. So with this core, can the Hornets get back to their 2021-2022 ways that saw them go 43-39 and and become at least, because this this is real low, at least the tenth seed in the East. No, no, Absolutely wow. 
<laughs> I and, and it has not changed since we were talking. <laughs> no, I, I, don't, I don't know what you see in the in the no, I really don't. Bro. I really don't. <laughs> I like literally like when we were when we were having the discussion in the chat. I looked at the phone for a good. I was like, hey, nah, he must be like, hold on, he's talking about the Charlotte, like the the Hornets from like. I'm like, nah, bro, ain't no way. And then I remember, I was like. He is a Lamelo guy. He likes he likes Lamelo over over Ant. Over Ant, I and did. Like, okay, okay, but come on, bro. Let's be real. First of all, well, let me let me start at the top. <sighs> like I said in the chat, man, young teams don't win in this league. They don't. I'm they sorry. Don't championships, and the, bro. And I'm not saying a chip. I'm saying playing. Bro, bro the, the the young teams that even make the playoffs, they got MVP caliber guys. They got the KDs of the world. They got the LeBron James of the world. They got like literally Steph Curry. Curry was like 27 when they started making the playoffs for real. Because he he spent two years at Davidson. He had the ankle injuries. He did. So he was like like mid-late 20s when they started winning for real. You know, and then obviously Clay and Draymond were there. And they were also around the same age too. But we so, could, we could we could go now. Uh, Memphis, bro, John Morant went healthy. He's a but he's John Morant's an all NBA guy. Yeah, he's an MVP. Ca- an MVP caliber player. That's the first thing. No, not yet. He's a, he's an all star guy. He's he, he, he made is. he made an all star team, but what? he hasn't made all NBA, and he, he doesn't look like he's he's on track to do that. Not not so much because of him, but because of the people in front of him. And I'm gonna get I'm gonna get to that in yeah. a bit, but. Young teams not only do they not win at a high clip, they don't play defense. Okay, yeah. like yeah. because one, it takes like you, it takes time to learn the NBA game, the pace, and all of that. But also, too, it's an effort thing. And I, yeah. I love Lamelo. I think offensively, like he has the potential to be like the Jason Kidd of this era. Yeah, However, I think he does lack the defensive discipline. He does. And he's the leader of your team, so it's going to be hard for everybody else to play at a high level if he's not leading the charge there. Um, and then, bro, we talked about Cliff, man, Coach Cliff. He's he's a he's a disciplinarian, and I I think that's good for this team. I just don't think he is the head coach for this team. I don't think he's going to be able to create the relationships with LaMelo and Brandon Miller that's needed to help them and trust in them. And I think it's a delicate balance because it has to be like, all right, these guys are young. I need to put my foot down and help them understand, like, I'm serious. I mean business. This is what I expect out of you. But it also has to be like that. Oh, yeah, like, I respect and love my coach. I run through a wall for him. And I just don't see them doing that with Cliff. And one of the main reasons is, he was fired already. He was the he coach was. here. They fired him. They did already. in the Kimba era. Yeah. Yes, they fired him. And and literally, like they wanted um Kenny Atkinson from, did, from they Golden did, they State. They they really wanted Kenny. Kenny didn't want to leave the Golden State Warriors. And they they they, they I, I can't remember who else they tried. There was another coach they Dan went Tony. after. They tried Dan Tony. And Tony. They yeah. tried, I think. Three people before they got to Cliff, yeah. and they were literally like, "We cannot go into the season with a new coach 
because it's like it was like oh I think a week or so before the preseason started or something crazy like oh training yeah, camp yeah 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 it was, and it was like, crazy we need somebody who needs who knows the system already we can't we can't bring in a new coach it's just not gonna work and that's literally why they brought back Cliff because they were like Cliff. he knows the system yeah hey we understand you don't want to be here. We don't really want you here. <laughs> third option. <laughs> but <laughs> you know you're the third option. But, right. like, let's agree to work together until we find a – like, he, he's, he's like the long-term interim coach here. I just don't think he's a good fit for them. And then on top of that, there's too many new pieces. And when I say new, I don't mean, like, new exactly to the team because right. Miles Bridges has been on the team for a while. We know he was going last year. Uh, Gordon Hayward has was probably their best player when they were making when they were making the play in tournament. Uh, Lamelo's first two years in the league, but I mean, new was in like new roles. Um, so Miles is coming back. Obviously, he's coming back from something pretty traumatic. Not so much to him, but like the way he's gonna get treated around the league may not be the best. Um, yeah. And I think it, it he may not come out the gates just back to who he was because he was a perennial All Star. Before he, he went out, and him and Lamelo had crazy chemistry, but I think he, he's gonna he's gonna have a slower start to the season. Lamelo missed a lot of time with the ankle injury. He did. I think he's he'll be fine, but him mixing with a Miller, mixing with Miles coming in, and then mixing with Williams, who isn't a guy who needs the ball, but I just think it's gonna be very clunky and new for a lot of people. And then on top of that, Gordon Hayward. Or Terry Rozier, one of them's gonna have to come off the bench, off the bench in yeah. order for Miller to start. And I don't know how they're gonna deal with it either, because because Miller's used to having the ball in his hands. He has yeah. defensive potential, but young guys just even Paul George is a really good defender coming out of college. Um, I mean, we've seen so many guys who have that, but even LeBron, like almost 48, 50 inch vertical. It takes time to learn how to play defense in this league. So I just think they have too many moving pieces. Um, they do have some highlights, like Melo, I think, is a future all-star, or already an all-star, future all-NBA guy. I think Williams is a future defensive player of the year caliber player. And I think um, Miller can be one of the uh, future all-stars, a, a Paul George type guy. But I just look at the other teams in the East. Detroit, they have Cade. Cade is ahead of Melo. Let's just call it what it is. Is he? I I don't know. I think bro. he is. I, and I'm a I K guy. He, okay. He, he has a, he hasn't proven it resume wise. You I know, I love the resume. Right. I don't think he's played Lamello, enough for me to say he's a hit. But I, if you want to say you're on the same, level, I agree. I got you. Yeah. I agree. I but I think this year Cade is going to and and I wasn't even Cade guy to be clear. Like I I didn't necessarily believe in him. I thought um, Jalen Green may have been a better long term pick. I don't yeah. know. His motor just he's a little chill, but. I've seen some stuff in him. He's, he's gained weight and, and he's stronger now and all that. And now he has IV endurance to help with the supporting cast. Um, I think that they're going to be the team that's like the Tennessee. Wow. Them in Orlando. Um, okay. Indy, Halliburton, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. He's he's at a better point right now than, um, yeah, than he, Melo. He, he might need it. If he, if he had more defensive potential, I would say he could be like the, the Jason Kidd of this era, but. Correct. Um, he's ahead of the, he's ahead of uh, Melo already. Matherin and Turner. Turner's not like a a guy you write home about, but he's a veteran. 
You know what he's bringing on defense. He stretches the floor, and Halliburton's going to help find him. And they have a lot of younger pieces um, who can help there, too. Magic, Paolo, Franz, and and, uh, Wendell Carter. Like, that is a huge front court, an athletic front court, a finesse front court. They got Fultz running the point. Yeah. And I would bet that Paolo or Franz are going to make an all-star team again or make their first all-star team before LaMelo makes another all-star team. I would bet that the Raptors. I think they're that's who their competition is because there's so much going on here. Nevertheless, Siakam has proven he can be an all NBA type guy, an All Star guy. Scotty has he didn't have a, the best sophomore year, but you know he, he won Rookie of the Year. Yeah. Um, we know he's a two way player, and then Oji Ananobi, who's been on the trading block, he's become the new John Collins. He is. Um, <laughs> But those three guys that they're all I would argue are either as good or better than the top guys on Charlotte. So when right. it comes up to it, you you got Melo, you got is Miles Bridges gonna be on this level? Like is he gonna be a perennial all star again? I don't think so right now. Maybe next yeah. year, but not not this coming year. And then is Miller gonna come in and have an immediate impact? I think he's gonna have a slower turn to his potential. Correct. Um so I just when I look at the depth charts, I'm like, okay, yes. Honestly, if I'm if I have to bet my bottom dollar today, I think they're gonna finish 14th again. I think 14. Washington's gonna be 15. Wow. I think they're gonna be 14. <laughs> the second think, worst team uh, in the East. That's crazy. I think so. I think I think the Raptors gonna be 13, and then I think it's gonna be between Indy, Detroit, and uh, Orlando fighting for that 10-11 uh, uh, seat. Man, um. That's tough. Now I will say this: your soliloquy on the coaches hilarious. Um, <laughs> Clipper <laughs> was high key the third option, bro. I ain't gonna lie because That's what they, wanted, they, they wanted Kenny. Kenny was like, "Bro, you see what was happening in Charlotte, bro? I'm not trying to have that." Right? He just wanted well. chip, and then Charlotte looked like a ticking time bomb. He like, "I'm good." Dan Tony, I think, really wanted it, and bro, I mean, Dan Tony with Lamelo. Would have been crazy. yeah no that would be that, that would be that, that would have been legendary <laughs> that would have been yeah. legendary but I'm gonna say they kind of dodged the bullet because Dan Tony don't you know do defense so I mean it's like yeah. yeah so so I think they chose Clifford like you said for stability and he preaches a defensive mindset I think why I'm high on them is a few things number one I did what a lot of people didn't do last year especially when Lamelo Ball was not playing I watched Charlotte Hornets basketball bro like after the All Star break. Stop. That's that's you're dedicated. So I watched it and I liked how the team responded to Clifford's defensive identity. He was complaining about it early in the year. I remember specifically they lost to somebody and he had a rant that kind of went viral a little bit on NBA Twitter where he was like, bro, like we we're not good enough to not play defense and win games. We have to play defense in order to win games because the only team that can do that and win is the and then he stopped. And then he said, never mind. Like, no one can win games <laughs> in the league and play defense. I know who he was going to say. He was going to say the Warriors, and that's incorrect. Yeah. Because they play defense yeah. at their elite level to win chips. But, you know, look, I liked how they responded. I really like how Dennis Smith Jr. played with them last year. They, but they didn't keep him. Like, he left. So, um, they want to kind of. keep Uber either who played well. With they them. didn't keep Uber either. I liked how he kind of responded and played as well. So, they didn't keep those two guys. They replaced Uber arguably with the return of Bridges and drafting Brandon Miller. Are they upgrades? Mm-hmm. Sure, but I mean if you could have kept Kelly or at least as a depth piece, maybe you could have. 
I think they might miss Dennis Smith because I think backup point guard wise, it's Frank Nilakina. Not a fan. <laughs> Not a fan. <laughs> I know why they got him. He plays defense, but ugh. And they, <laughs> and they do got Nick Smith Jr. He's really young. So I don't really expect anything from him either. He ain't playing I, no defense. He ain't playing no. <laughs> Super so, AU guy we're talking about. Got a deep bag. Crazy handles can score. Yeah. But they ain't playing no defense, bro. Jordan Nick Poole, Jr., uh, Kevin Porter Jr. Jr. Right. Nick Smith Jr. is like a better James Book Knight, but he ain't going to get minutes, bro. I'm just being real. However, you no, know, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, he's that summer league team was trash. It was trash. It was not good. It made Brandon Miller look a lot worse than what he is. And mm -hmm. that speaks volumes on the fact that Charlotte sucks at seeing talent. They suck at developing talent. I get all that. But the reason why I'm high on him is I like the return of Melo, the return of Bridges. I think them being able, them buying into what Clifford was selling shows me that they like to play for him. When healthy, they'll play well for him. And I'm also banking on this. All right. Look, healthy Melo, healthy Bridges. Last time we saw that, they won 43 games with a guy in James Borrego, who I think is not as good of a coach as, as Clifford. Now, do I think Clifford's a world leader? The best player on that team was arguably, it was a mixture of like three guys. <laughs> it was like Bridges, Melo, and a combination of Hayward and Rozier. Because that was the year where Bridges averaged 20 a game. That's the first time he averaged 20. Now, you're going to say it's Hayward. I think it was a mixture of all those guys. Well, all those guys are back. Now, I agree. I don't think Bridges is I don't think Bridges is going to be what he was. He's just not. I don't think he will. But I think his presence out there is something that they miss. And I think a healthy ball and Bridges out there can at least get the Hornets. With that squad I saw, that, that, that team that has potential, I think they're better than Detroit. And I think they're on the level of Orlando, mm -hmm. Indiana. I think they're on that level. And here's why I think they're better than Detroit. We're going to tap into Detroit later on as we get deeper into the season. I just feel like with Detroit, um, they're, they're probably going to have a OKC type. Well, OKC type, we, they win the play it. Or like they want to play a game. I don't Nah, nah, I can't do that. They're going to have a Utah type lead. I can see them winning 38 games, but they're just breaking into who I think this is the year they establish who they are. What I'm begging on is Charlotte already knows who they are. They're getting back their core. They're adding, yes, they're adding Brandon Miller, a top two pick. But what a lot of people don't understand is this was a team that they were only a lottery team because their two best players didn't play. They were hurt. They were hurt. Now, obviously, I can't control injuries. There's a chance this time rolls around. They hurt again, and we're having this conversation again. But they were hurt. This is not – they're not a lottery team when healthy. And that, I, I can't say that for Orlando right now. I can't say that for Detroit right now. Even, even if K played last year, when he, which he didn't, they were a lottery team. Um, I can't say that about Indiana. When Halliburton was on the floor, they were going to make the playoffs. When he was not, they became a lottery team. So – I think they're on that Indiana Orlando trajectory, and I'm high on them being at least a play in team because the East, bro, let's be honest, is back to sucking again. You know, last year they were on there. I disagree. I disagree. You disagree? I oh, disagree. Look, look at us. We, we changed, we changed, changed parts. Last year, I was like, bro, they better than the West. He was like, I don't know, Ken. Da, da, da. And last year, as a conference, I thought they were better than the West. A lot of it had to do with injuries. But this year, let's break it down. Okay, so we know Boston. Milwaukee, 
uh, Philly, Miami, Cleveland. We know that's the top five teams, all right? Six to ten, I don't know. Brooklyn, I think, is taking a step back because what people fail to realize is when Durant left, who they really were post-Durant, they were a, a sub-500 team, and I think that's what they're going to be this year. Toronto will know what they'll look like opening nights, but it sounds like they're trying to move off of Siakam and they're trying to embrace a rebuild, a semi-rebuild. They're going to be competitive and try to win games, but I don't think they're going to be what they were, all right? Um, I was really high on Orlando, but then I didn't like their draft, and now I don't kind of like how their team is situated because they have a ton of guards, not enough shooters, and I'm kind of like, okay. Now, granted, this team did turn the corner the second half of the season and looked a lot better. So I think Orlando can still be a playoff team. I'll give them a chance. And in Indiana, I think a lot of their success is tied into the health of Halliburton. I'm going to assume he will be healthy, so they'll be successful. But I think Brooklyn and Toronto tail off, and I think that creates an opportunity for Detroit, for Charlotte, for those teams to kind of step into the fold and be playing factors. So saying all this to say, look, man, I think they responded well to Clifford. Their two best players are returning. The last time their two best players played most of the season, they won 43 games. It's in a weaker East than last year. And yes, they have incoming rookie class that I'm going to be honest. I'm not expecting a lot from Nick Smith. I'm not expecting a lot from Brandon Miller. <laughs> I think Brandon Miller might develop the same way Brandon Ingram developed very slowly. And then you might see kind of how he is by that second contract, like after his rookie deal. But um, I don't think they need those guys to be impact players. I think they just need their two best players to be on the floor. P.J. Washington to continue to fo- continue to thrive in this semi-six-man tween a row. And then Mark Williams to take that year-two step where we're like, dang, Mark Williams is an all-NBA defensive guy. And it's possible because when he got minutes, he looked good. So Damn. saying all that to say, they're going to be a playing team, bro. I, they're better than Detroit, bro. I'm just going to be – because they have – an identity and yeah and look i think cade i think cade in due time will probably be better than Lamelo, but right now he's not and i think their pieces around their whole roster their pieces fit in my eyes better than detroit because my issues with detroit are okay cade and ivy how does that work because ivy can't shoot particularly well and they both need the ball um they have a wing one of the tops and twins is their wing he's not a shooter He's an Andre Iguodala type guy, which means he needs the ball to be effective as well. Well, not he needs it a ton, no, but he kind of needs it a little bit. And then what's their big situation looking like? You got Beef Stew, they gave an extension to Duran, Bagley, Wiseman. Like it's, Monty's got to figure out what his rotation is, what his culture will look like. And I think that's going to take time. Um, So saying all that to say, before I put it on to you, believe in Charlotte, bro. I mean, look, man, it sounds foolish. Because they were trash last year. But again, they were mainly trash because the two best players were not in the lineup. They're back. All right. They're back playing. And their schedule, I don't have it in front of me. They first 10 games, they look sweet. Bro, like they look sweet. So if you get off to a nice start, I mean, look, I believe you. Young teams don't win championships. But young, talented teams can at least get you to the play-in minimum maximum first round like you could get there and i think they got the talent to do that you said their first 10 games like winnable <laughs> let me do you, do you know who they played the first 10 games let me let me read it to you first game okay the team who went to the finals last year miami heat 
Okay, is that right. home on the road? Um, it's on the road. Yeah, that that could be tough. Um, <laughs> oh, it's gonna be tough. <laughs> now they play Washington. It's gonna be the battle of the worst teams in the East. Bro, it's so they, they might take that one. They might take that's that a win. One. We'll see. Yeah. Um. Then they play OKC. SGA is coming out. He's 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 trying to have an MVP type year. They're sure. gonna have to hold that L. They play Boston after that. Okay. All right. That's it. They're gonna have to hold that L. That's one and four. That ain't one and four. That's two and two. Yeah. That's one, two, 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 three, four. No. Who who they gonna beat? You think they beat Miami? They gonna beat no, Miami? No, 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 no. They gonna beat OKC, bro. You think they're going to beat OKC? They match up pretty well with OKC, bro. I mean, uh, OKC's okay. just as young as them, hey, so they could beat OKC. They play Atlanta next. They could beat them. Ice Trey. They can't. I don't think they will. They play Detroit. They could beat them. That's the toss up. I'll give them the, the dub there. So they're, at this point, they're two and two, three, four. Two and four. All right. Then they play Brooklyn. I think they're going to lose to Brooklyn. Bro, uh, then we're okay. looking at two and five. Charlotte versus Houston. Now, these the next couple games gonna really tell us about them. They play Houston and then uh, Indiana. If they lose to both of them, they not coming back from that. Of course, <laughs> bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, um, and, and Houston, I'm sure, like Emay's gonna put his foot down coming out the gate. He will. That, that's a young team with talent. It is. And, and don't and don't get me wrong. Like I'm not trying to say that. That Charlotte doesn't have talent. I just think that so much of the league now has talent, and they do not, for in my opinion, mesh well because they have a lot of new pieces rotating in. And as much as they responded, and and like I told you, I went to the Brooklyn Nets versus um, uh, Charlotte Hornets last year when Kyrie hit that game winner. I went to the game. All right, it was after the All-Star break. I saw the difference in how they were playing. That's why I'm a fan of Mark Williams because I was confused why he wasn't playing early in the year. Yeah. But him and Cliff had beef because defensive assignments he was missing, yada, yada, yada. I think you, you put a young guy like that with raw talent and you let him figure it out. You let him learn throughout the year. Nevertheless, they finally start putting him in. They're playing good. P.J. Washington's uh, playing at a high clip. Kelly yeah. Oubre's helping the team at a high clip. But it's different. It's 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 different when you're coaching, knowing you're gonna lose. Like telling a group of guys who know, like we're gonna go out there, we're not gonna win, but we're gonna play hard. I'm gonna get mine. It's different when Lamelo, your star, is in there, who's not a defensive guy, like to start off with, and who is expecting to win because his first two years they were winning, and then third year he got hurt, fourth year he got hurt. Wait, is this his fourth? He's going to his fourth year. Or is this his fifth year? I can't remember. This, is, but this might be his fourth year, yeah. Yeah, okay. So it's getting to a point where it's like, I don't think they're bad. I just think they're worse than everybody else. Except for, <laughs> except for Washington. <laughs> except for Washington. So I can't, I, I'm about to follow them. And after every single game, I yeah, cannot wait. It's oh my god, bro! This might this take right here. You might never lose this or damn. I'm sorry, bro, because for me, take... honestly, I think this is a do or die year for for Lamelo almost with new management coming in. Um, Michael Jordan out the door. Yeah, 
I think they're really looking to see is Melo is a guy you can build a, a franchise around. And if he's not, I think they're going to package him and try to build around Brandon Miller. Mm. That's my take. But man, okay. I, I cannot wait to see what they what they what they turn out to be because whoo, boy, oh boy, <laughs> you the Tennessee? Tennessee, bro. Over Indy? Over That's Atlanta terrible. who's made it Atlanta who's made it how many years in a row? Brooklyn Nets, Macau Bridges is far better than anybody on Charlotte. Like, well, keep it well, well, I think I think Atlanta is going to replace Brooklyn. I think Atlanta is going to be a top six seed, bro. Because I, I liked how they so responded who do you, who do you well. Think gonna fall? Because right. Chicago, they still have Demar and Zach Levine. They They're going to make the play in. They do, but yeah, people are sleep on. Can't believe it. Patrick Beverly got them to the play in. He's not there, so I'm like, hey, bro, you making that face, yeah. man? He made them a top. Two, three defensive team last year. So I I think Bulls, I think Brooklyn slides, Chicago slides. I think those two slide. And so now you have an opening where it could happen potentially with Charlotte. Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. We're gonna move on to the Pels. I don't think it's a do or die year for Lamelo because Charlotte is a small market and they look at Lamelo as a superstar. Now, we might not think he's a superstar yet, but they paid him like it. He's the face of their franchise. I don't think anything happens to him unless he prioritizes being forced out. I think he's going to get the same treatment that Carl Anthony Towns got before Anthony Edwards came. Well, we never really thought Carl was a superstar, but Minnesota valued him like that. Right, and he's the best they had. No, I do think it's a do or die year four, Cupcheck and Clifford. Because ownership, that's not their guys. <laughs> that's not their guys. That's Jordan's guys. And I think if they're not a because I'm telling you what they're saying in the building. They're looking at what I looked at and I'm like, okay, when when Ball and Bridges were playing, they were a 43 win team. Well, they're back now. So if we don't win at least 40 something games, somebody's got to go, and that's either Cupcheck yeah. or Clifford. All right. So <laughs> I, I so I do think next if if this time next year Charlotte did not make the playoffs, Clifford and Cupcheck are gone and. Some new guys are going to come in, and maybe this is a whole different conversation. But I liked how they responded to Clifford. I know the track record of this team before injuries. I think the cohesion that I think guys like Williams, the development of PJ Washington, and Brandon Miller, even at a slow pace, can provide that extra juice that they didn't have during their 43 win team, some 43 win season. And I think this is a team that can win. 43 to 45 games. I think it can win bro, that. That is insane. It sounds insane. That is insane. Because the 45 games, bro. The 60. But but guess that's what? what you that's, saying that, that's how low I am on the East, bro. I don't think the East is going to be that good. Oh I don't. Goodness. I don't. Because, wow. because you're going to see a lot of teams in the East that are middling going nowhere get exposed. And those teams are going to be the Nets. Those teams are going to be the Raptors. Those teams are going to be the Bulls. They're going to get exposed and replaced by teams on the come up. Young teams building. Okay, building. Yeah. All right. So that's what I'm seeing. All right. So I will tune in. We will tune in. Every yeah. Charlotte the game. Boy, the boy's about to be in looking at Cooper Flag. That's that's <laughs> they about to be. That's they about to be looking at Cooper Flag and uh uh Alex Sar and uh Ron Holland, all these guys. That's what they about to do. But we'll I see. Mean, 
I can't wait to I can't wait to send. I know I know man. You you tuned in, bro. You gonna get sick of me. Hey man, I'm I'm gonna stay the course, bro. Just just saying, man. First ten games. Go tell a lot. Um, moving on, man. Last season, the New Orleans Pelicans, bro, they were twelve and four when Trey Murphy played or scored twenty or more points. Fifteen and five when he made four more threes. Currently, he's gonna be out six to eight weeks with a torn meniscus. Oh, I'm lying. Not even six to eight. Ten to twelve weeks, man, with a torn meniscus. Last oh, year, Trey Murphy had career highs in points, field goal percentage, three point shooting. And at the free throw line, he averaged 15 a game, shooting 48% from the field, 40% from three, and 90% at the line. He's a huge please kill to a Pelican squad that doesn't really have the spacing needed for their two stars, B.I. and Zion, to kind of work with Jonas Valanciunas and an aging C.J. McCollum. How huge is this loss for the Pels? And could this be an alarming sign of things that come from New Orleans where recently in the past few years, injuries have derailed their potential as a Western Conference threat? Um, no, I don't think so. For one, honestly, and I mean, I told you, like, I just retore my meniscus, um, like, and I had surgery three weeks ago. I'm already back on my feet doing physical therapy. So, and I'm reading that he, he had a partial tear. So, I'm pretty sure they um they they removed it. Yes, yeah, secondly they removed it. So usually that's like a four to six week recovery. Um, when I had my first one, it came back in five weeks. So he, I'm sure he's gonna have the best doctors, and he'll be back um, probably before or around free no uh, before the season starts. Yeah. So um, I think he'll be fine. Um, and ultimately, I think this is. This is, if any position, the best position for them to have it on because they're so heavy at that forward. They got yeah. Ingram, they got Herb, who's sometimes they list up. They start as a shooting guard, but he's really a small he's forward. A uh, Zion is a a, a four. Najee uh, plays the three and four. Even Larry Nance Jr. sometimes plays the three and four. So they're they're very heavy right there. So honestly, it may be. For the best to give uh, Nazi because Nazi plays pretty good when he gets the time. It's just he's not better than Herb Ingram, Zion, or Murphy, so he doesn't always get the playing time. But when when the time comes, he usually plays pretty well. Um, so I'm not worried about it all. You know, for me, it, it always comes down to Zion. Like that's we've seen every every iteration of this. Like we've seen Ingram healthy leading that team. We know that it's either gonna get you a game or two in the first round, or it's going to get you to the play-in. Like, that's pretty much as far as it can go. So the only way they're going to break through that, I think, is not only to have Zion healthy, but to have Ingram as well. Like, both of them have to be healthy, not only going into the playoffs, but, like, have a runway of games leading into the playoffs, um, of playing together, playing well, being healthy, for them to go anywhere. So I don't think this impacts the Pels in any major way, to be honest with you, because they're so they're so heavy in depth at the um, at the forward position. Yeah, you might be right. You might be right. I just looked at some info on Trey. It is 10 to 12 weeks. It is a partial tail, like you said, but they injected like a chemical in it. So that may be why it may take a little longer than what a partial tail usually is, which is four to six. Mm-hmm. Four to six. Oh, so, he didn't have surgery. I thought he had surgery. Um, 
let me see, man. Let me see. Uh, partial. Uh, no, he had he had it, bro. Successful surgery. That's I mean that's what yeah, the ESPN yeah. article said. He had it. They just yeah, he just injected something in the knee with the surgery, which I've I've oh, never. Oh no, it, yeah, it's it's a mis um he had arthroscopic surgery, so pretty much like they put it's like it's almost like the side of a pen. Like they okay. put two in there, so they don't have to like cut the whole knee open, but they yeah. cut little slits in the sides of the knee, put the the uh, the thing in there, and then they repair it that way. Yeah, gotcha, okay. gotcha. So he'll be out the first fifteen. I think it's important. I think it's something they could get by, but he's their best shooter. Yeah. And when your two best players aren't no knockdown guys or floor spacers, and they live around the mid range of the paint like Bi and Z do, you need as much floor spacing as you can get. But they did draft. The best shooter in college, Jordan Hawkins. Um, he's a shooting guard, so that's a little different. So you do lose, you do you lose rather the height and versatility that Trey provides, but Hawkins can knock it down. But um, look, man, these first 15 games will tell a lot about the Pels because they're at Memphis to start the year versus New York versus Golden State at OKC. These first four games are against playoff teams. Well, OKC wasn't a playoff team, but Three to four against playoff teams, and the last one's against a playing team. That's we hope Brandon Ingram and Zion are there to play these games, but that's their first four. Then you get Detroit and Atlanta at home, winnable. Then you got at Denver, at Minnesota, at Houston, and then they have a six game homestand that features Dallas twice, Denver, Minnesota, and Sacramento twice. Man, look, bro, um, this is it for the Pels, bro. I, I think this 15 game stretch for them is important. Because if they're not at least at 500, or if they're not at 500, a little below, like maybe a game, it's gonna be revealing around the fact that, well, we, what I, what I kind of think, I don't think Ingram and Zion work. I, even when Zion was healthy, like there were what six, five games above 500. I know the fabulous thing was, oh, when Zion was healthy, man, the Pels were like first place in the West. That's not sustainable, bro. That was like 20 some games in, so. I, I don't know if this team with that core works. And I think this is a this is an important year for Zion, bro. Like if it doesn't work this season, you gotta ship him. And I think the Pelicans front office is really close to basically telling the world, we've made a decision. Zion is no longer our franchise. Brandon Ingram is. We want Scoot Henderson to build around Brandon Ingram. They didn't they didn't pull through. And I think the reason why they didn't is because Look, they, they don't want to say it, but I will. Um, the Mariah Mill situation, bro. Like, I mean, that, that just really ended any leverage that they had because that was going on and then Zion didn't play. No team was trying to touch that, which is why they were like, yo, if you want this pick, we want Ingram. We don't want Zion because his stock's low. It's like bottom. Yeah. So I, they got to make it work. It sucks that Murphy's hurt because it's the same thing with this team. It's either Ingram's not, Ingram's out the lineup, Zion's out the lineup, Jose's out the lineup, Trey, like one. Like either the one of their stars or one of their key rotational guys isn't playing. And when they're all playing and on the floor, they're a playoff team. But I think what we've seen so far in the Zion Williamson era is he's not reliable. And even when he's there, his game constricts with what Ingram can do well. Because Zion lives inside. Ingram lives in the mid-range. And when you have two forces that kind of get in each other's way, you need all the spacing you can get to make it work. And I don't think they have enough spacing because Jonas is at the five. He's not a stretch big. It's not like you got Miles Turner or Carl Anthony Towns. 
And then CJ McCollum, he's declining. So, like, where's the shooting? You know, like, and so losing Murphy hurts. And Murphy played really well last year. And I like Murphy as a player. But they can't afford injuries with this schedule come to start the year. That schedule is brutal, bro. Like, I only see two non-playoff teams on here. And you was hyping up Detroit. And we both agree Houston's going to be better. So, I mean, it's no it's no easy ones. I mean, and if they, in this 15-game stretch, 5-10, and 10, it's a problem. <laughs> it just is. Will Willie Green have his job beyond this year? Probably not. And I like him. Are they going to move on from Zion for good? And then you already got Ingram coming out saying, I'm not signing that extension. Now, right now. Now, I think he's doing that because he's betting on himself. But, I mean, last time somebody bet on himself and lost, I mean, Dennis Schroeder, like, he didn't really get the bag. So, I, was, I don't think it'll be that colossal for Ingram. But, you know, look, man. I think this Murphy loss is huge because of how their team is constructed. And I fear it could be a chaining reaction of what's been the downfall of this team. Like, they can't stay healthy. Like, they already don't work in my eyes productively as well when they're healthy. And then when they're not, and it's because key pieces are not there, they're always playing catch-up. And I don't think you could do that, Clem, in the West this year. Yeah. I mean, on the Zion piece, I, I feel you. Um I I personally think that especially the way Brandon Ingram played in <laughs> yeah he sucked, bro. <laughs> he was horrible he was horrible I understood why he was bad but it's like but that's bro. one of the main reasons why I don't think him and Z work because he needs the ball in his hands to be productive and then yeah yeah but it's just a bad look when it's like you telling me to trade my superstar guy for a guy who's like on a team with other stars and he's the one that's getting demoted. It's just, it's just like, yeah. it's not a good look. It's just not a good look. And obviously Zion's situation isn't a good look either, but he's younger. He's already like reached a higher peak early in his career um, than yes. Ingram. And honestly, like the way Ingram's career is looking like, I, I would bet that he probably makes one or less all-star teams the rest of his career like he's Correct. he's slowly getting to that like mid late 20s area where injuries start to take longer to come back from and we already seen like the toll injury he had um most of the year they were trying to get him back from it and they were just basically like this is something he's probably gonna have to deal with um yeah. throughout the rest of his career and it didn't make it any better that he played all fever um summer so um uh, yeah I don't know. I, I'm 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 not out on Ingram, but I'm out on him as like the number one guy for sure. I'm I'm I might not even be a little out on him as a number two. I think um, I want to see it on on paper, but ultimately, I think they need to package Ingram and get somebody that complements Zion better. But we'll see what they do. I just don't see them letting go of Zion for anybody who's just not going to revolutionize their their team. It would have to be somebody who is definitely better than Zion or going to be better than Zion because I think Ingram has proved that he cannot be the number one guy. Which is why they wanted Scoot. <laughs> like, it makes sense. It's like, well, you know, we have to keep Ingram because Ingram's a form of stability. I agree. Like, Zion's potential is sky high. Eon's better than Ingram, but he can't stay healthy. 
And he was showing a lack of profession professionalism when all this stuff came out. So it's kind of like, all right, man, we let's at least entertain and see if a trade offer can be a trade reality. And then when it wasn't, it's like, okay, run it back. I think, man, unfortunately, they've put themselves in such a bind. They just got to hope this works. Because if it doesn't, unfortunately, what's probably going to happen is, and Ingram kind of segued it by not signing the extension. What's probably going to happen is, man, they might choose Zion. And I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's a safe bet because of his injury. Like, if he was healthy, yes, choose Zion. Like, this is really easy because I already agree they don't work together. So, pick up the guy that does, pick up the, who's the better player out of the two? The lesser guy, move him for a package that can surround you with pieces that make your best guy possible. And Zion is a guy that lives inside, and you need spacing to allow him to do that. And right now, you don't really have that space because you have a, a fossil of a big and Valanciunas at the five, and you have a mid-range wing at the four. So I don't really see how that kind of creates itself. And so I think this is a this is a make or break year for the Pelicans because I think if things don't work out well, colossal changes have to be made. And I think part of that will be McCollum no longer being on the team and them having to make a decision between Ingram or Zion. And if it goes how it's been showing it's been going the past two years, which is Zion doesn't last. McCollum continues to fall off a cliff. And Ingram's your only source of stability when he's healthy. They're going to be forced to choose Ingram and have to move off on everybody else. And once they do that, I agree. Ingram has shown at best he's his number two guy. So you're going to have a number two guy be your franchise player in the West. That's looking like a playing team, bro, for like the next three or four years. Like, I'm just, I'm just being honest. And I'm hard on Zion, but a lot of that is because I was high on what he could be. And I know him not reaching that potential is because he's not being a professional and he can't stay healthy. But I know if he could do those two things, yeah, like they can, the Pelicans can achieve whatever they want to. But right now, I can't rely on that, you know? And so that's where we at there. Um, last topic, yeah. man, for, oh, well, I want you to say your final thing before we move on. No, I, I just think Zion's a better, he's worth more at this point. I think you can get more for him. So, um, I think, like, in a couple of years, if, if Zion doesn't work out, you can move him and still get top dollar for him. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Ingram, I don't. I think at this point, he's his value is going to continue to go down. But, yeah, those are my final thoughts. For sure, man, for sure. Last one before we pivot, man. Sacramento Kings, bro. Sacramento Kings. So, I was watching his YouTube channel. You probably should check it out. Player's Choice. They taught basketball on YouTube and they had a segment talking about the Kings and everybody was talking about how many Kings took the Warriors to seven. Uh, they're going to be better than the Grizzlies. They're going to be better than the Mavs, bro. They're going to be somebody said they can compete for the one seed in the West. Um, looking at this roster club, they brought back their core and their core is Fox, Sabonis, Barnes, Murray, we could put Monk and Davey on. They brought those same guys back. They added JaVale McGee recently to be their backup center. And they also added uh, Chris Dorte, who I liked a lot. Indiana drafted him. Um, an older rookie when he was selected. Um, adding him to probably be a rotational guy. Sacramento Clem, they're running back the same team. And I'm going to be honest, was not a fan of that at all because I felt like that team that they had last year had a ceiling. Now, I do agree. 
Fox getting hurt is the reason why they didn't win that playoff series. But, you know, is what it is. Injuries happen in a part of the game. But I did feel like the ceiling of that roster was maybe second round because I think they would have given the Lakers a tough fight, but I don't know if they could beat L.A. And what we've seen historically of what I've seen from teams like Memphis last year, Milwaukee last year, and even Philadelphia to a degree, when they ran back the same squad that plateaued a year ago, they either plateaued the same level or they regressed even worse like the Bucks did. Um, are you sold, Clem, on the Kings running back? That core I just listed and being better than they were in the West, that they only ascended to that level respectfully because of injuries. Let's just be honest. Like, guys were hurt. I mean, that's why they were able to be a top three seed. With everybody healthy, can they be a top three seed again in the West? I think they can. Okay. Um, but my notes I, I wrote down here, I like, I think, I think we're more likely to see a setback than a breakthrough um, because a lot of a lot went their way last year. I know Sabonis was playing with a, I think it was like a broken hand or something like that. He was uh, broken, from, broken thumb. Yeah. Yeah. For most of the year after the all-star break and obviously the Aaron had, um, excuse me, his um, injury in the playoffs. So they weren't, it's not like they didn't have anybody injured, but like outside of that, most of their team was, was pretty healthy. Um, and obviously we know like, the health concerns we had in the West and it may, it may happen again. Like we, yeah. I feel like the last three years, me and you've been like, Oh yeah, the West about to be great. This person will be healthy and this person will be healthy and this person. And every year it's like, Kawhi not healthy. PG not healthy. <laughs> Diana yeah. not healthy. LeBron ain't healthy. AD ain't healthy. Yeah. And then Curry get hurt. Draymond get hurt. And then it's just like, it's kind of like, all right, well, Memphis and, um, Sacramento, this past year have, have benefited from that because they're young, healthy teams who have a good balance of like our young, young rising star, um, not veteran, but like almost veteran level, all-star level guy like Sabonis and, and, and Triple J. Um, and then obviously Fox and, 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 um, and, um, Ja are like the, the younger stars. Um, and then they have like their third guy who, it's been it's been Harrison Barnes kind of, yeah. um, but I, I think I think Keegan Murray's gonna have a really good year. Oh, he's yeah, one of my super improved players yeah. of the year. Um, but yeah, I, I think they'll win a lot of games. I think they'll finish in the top six for sure. For sure. But I think they're still gonna go home in the first round. Like I just wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like, oh. I, don't, I don't think yeah I don't think they're um, I just. I just don't know how they're going to beat the top teams. Like the Nuggets, the Warriors, the Lakers, and the Suns. I feel like if they match up with any of those teams, they're going to They're getting cooked. And yeah, yeah. That's just the unfortunate reality. And the chances are they're going to match up with right. one of those four teams. Like, so until they get to a point where they're better than one of those four teams, like I, I created three tiers. And, um, Number one, obviously, tier one, the Nuggets, Warriors, Lakers, Suns. Like over the last yeah. four years, we've seen them either win championships or go to finals, compete for championships, compete. go to Correct. multiple conference finals. Yeah. Um, 
Like they rarely get out in the first round. Uh, obviously, the Lakers had their you know couple years where they're out in the first round and then also didn't make the playoffs. Um, but they made the conference finals last year and then won the championship um, three years ago now. Uh, so those are the teams that have been contending for championships. Um, and I don't know how much longer the Warriors-Lakers will, but I think the Suns and Nuggets will continue over the, at least the next couple of years. Then there's the Grizzlies. They're the team. These are like the teams that are like are getting to the point like they they usually make it, yeah. but they usually go home in the first two rounds. Um, the Grizzlies, we've seen it the last three years. The Clippers, similar situation. They went to the conference finals um, in 2020, but fell short um, and continued to like not make it to the conference finals level. Um, Dallas, we've seen them make the conference finals once, didn't make it last year. But Luka has led them to the first round um, three of the last four years or, or past that. And then the Wolves also, like the last two years, have been making the first round and getting out. Um, and then, obviously, the Kings, OKC, and NOLA, like, they make it one year. They don't make it the next year. Um, so I, I think it'll be interesting. But I just think the Kings, we just have to see De'Aaron ascend to another level. I don't think Sabonis has another level in him. I think he is who he is. He's going to be an all-star. You know what he brings. Um, but I think De'Aaron has another level he can get to. It's just a matter of if he gets there and if he does, when does it happen? Because John Morant's already there. Um, Jamal Murray, even though he's older, has been he's more there. healthy now. I think he's yeah. he's yeah he's there. He's he's made his first all-star. He's going to make his first he's all-star gonna make his, yeah, Potentially yeah. first um, all-NBA team. Obviously, we know the beast that Curry is. He's getting older, so that's the spot that I think De'Aaron can step into. Um, so it's up for grabs, but uh, it won't be easy. So we'll see. Between them, the Wolves, Dallas, and um, and OKC, uh, I think it'll be interesting. And Grizzlies, of course. I think it'll be interesting to see which of those teams can jump into that top four category. Yeah, man. Anytime. You are a young up and coming team and you make playoff progression the year before and you bring back relatively the same roster this following season. You're basically relying on your two best players to take leaps for you for that same roster to have better success in the next postseason. Um, De'Aaron Fox has to take that leap. He has to. And last year, look, I've been a Fox guy since day one. Last year was his best year. I'm 25, 6, and 4 on 51% yeah. shooting. That, that Most of those are career highs. Last season was his best season. You know, I've listened to some segments talk about, like, De'Aaron Fox always been that dude. He always been better than Ja. He he, he been doing this. No. <laughs> I'm a Fox guy. Heck no. Bro, like, he was not shooting the he ball. He was scoring. He was scoring. He was scoring, right. But, but he wasn't he not, he not scoring. Not as efficient. Not, not as, as efficient. Clutch. Exactly. Not yeah. as efficient, not as clutch. And he wasn't playmaking at that point that he was like, no, he wasn't. He wasn't. Now, Sabonis helped a lot. And me and you had this conversation early in the year. You asked, yo, you think Sabonis is the best player on the team right now? And I'm like, I think it's Fox. But I do think at that point it was close. And then as the year went on, Fox separated himself as the guy, especially in the postseason. I don't think Sabonis can get any better. And the reason why I was skeptical of them getting some bonus to join the team a, a year ago was I was like, I, like Sabonis is a nice player, but he's a fringe all-star 
and a fringe number two guy. I don't know if that's enough for you to have success. What I should have remembered is, oh, well, historically, Sabonis as your first or second guy can get you to the playoffs. And he did. But Mm -hmm. now you need him to get you deeper. And I don't know if he can, which is why it's very important for Keegan Murray to probably be their number two guy sometime in the near future. And I was a huge Keegan Murray guy coming out of Iowa, which is why when they took him over Ivy, I was like, that's going to be a solid pick because he, in my eyes, is a better. I don't think he's the defender that he is, but he's a better DeAndre Hunter because he can shoot the ball better than Hunter and can play off the ball better than he can as well. Um, so I thought that was always a seamless fit around Fox and Sabonis, two guys that can pass pretty well. And he thrived. So I think he's going to have to be most improved, like you stated. If he could be that, I think they can do damage. But I... I'm not a fan of them bringing back Harrison Barnes on an extensive deal. I'm not a fan of them adding JaVale McGee. I don't have a problem with him, but I think he's over the hill. I like Chris Dorte when he came out, but do you really need Chris Dorte? Cause you have Malik Monk. I don't, I feel like they needed a wing and they probably needed a bigger guard because Fox Mitchell and Monk, they're all six, three or under like they're really small. Like they're productive at what they do. Mitchell's a phenomenal on-ball guard, and Monk can fill it up with the best of them, and Fox is very speedy. But they don't have the size and physicality at the guard position that a Memphis has, that um, Lakers have, Phoenix has, uh, even the Warriors who I'm not high on, because I do think the Warriors are small. But they're not small at the guard spot outside of Curry. Like, they got mm-hmm. six, 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 seven guards and wings. So, mm-hmm. with Wiggins and Clay, like, that's an undersized team in the backcourt. And I don't know with this roster, they get better defensively. That was their issue last year. I was like, bro, they can score. Best offensive rating ever, all that. But can they defend? And in the playoffs, their defensive miscues caught up with them. It caught up with them in game five and in game seven. Because when their best player got a messed up finger and he couldn't maintain that level of scoring, we knew, well, I can't bank on the Kings to give me five stops in a row in the playoffs. I know the Warriors can. You know, I, I'm banking on the Kings to keep up with the Warriors scoring. And so, look, man, I think Sacramento is going to go for the one seed. But I think, I don't think they're better than Minnesota. If Minnesota is healthy. Yeah, I don't think so. Either. I don't think so either. So, that means you're probably a six seed. And like you said, bro, if they're a six seed, you got to play Lakers, Suns, Nuggets. And... They they yeah. can't beat them. Yeah, I, I I I don't think they're better talent wise, but I think they're a better team than the Wolves. Like I yeah. think if they yeah. played in a seven seven game series, I mean, <laughs> goddamn, the Wolves like oh, like some of the dumbest basketball. <laughs> it is it is dumb, but but guess but guess what it's I saw from so the bad. Guess what I saw from the Wolves, and that should have been a sign. I should I should have put my pride to the side of it. Like, that's a sign. Probably need to go with the Warriors because Looney and Draymond are dogs. Rudy Gobert was eviscerating some boys. <laughs> so that's that's yeah. why. Like, he was late in the year. Like, this is, I'm talking about, like, final seven games of the season. And that's why I feel like, that's when I was like, damn, Wolves were finally fully healthy for the first time in a while. And yeah. they went on a run where they beat the Kings. They beat the Warriors. They were challenging the Suns. And that made me realize, okay, a fully healthy Minnesota 
is better than the Kings. But I agree, the Kings are a better team because I'm be honest, fit better and they like each other. I guess that, yeah. that's really the two different things. Big thing is they like each other. Uh, nobody like Obear. Um, uh, I think Anthony. I think Towns is liked by his team, but I think there's a it's a it's a developing divide because Anthony Edwards has finally closed the gap as their best player. And so yeah. now it doesn't look like Towns is ready to relinquish that because he still looks at himself as I'm the franchise. And you are just second in command. Like Anthony he Edwards is better. Damn much threes. Oh. Like, I mean, the percentage is good, but okay, he doesn't shoot too many threes. He shoots at the worst times. Like he does. The first three quarters in that in spots in the fourth, I think he should be playing on the perimeter. Yeah. But when it matters most, like you have to play where it advantages not only you but your team. And your team. because of his size, like being closer to the basket, right. um, I think unless Ant, unless a play is drawn up for Ant to like drive and create, yeah. then we want to stretch out. But him creating his own shot off the bounce from the three point line with the game on the line, I do not want uh, to see that. But I, I think that's what he likes, and that's what he thinks he is, and that's the problem. That is a huge problem. problem. And what I discovered from Towns late in the year, bro, he's a top five passing big in the game, and I think for that team to be successful, he needs to be more of a playmaker out the post because out of the post against double teams. He could find the open man easily. And I think that would make Gobert a lot more effective and make Edwards' life a lot easier as a potentially an off-ball cutter. And so, look, man, with Minnesota, it's really just about health. They're going to get their own segment in the future, so I'm not going to really talk about them forever. But I think for the Kings, man, it's, it's, look, man, I didn't like that they brought back the same team because Memphis did the same thing last year and they regressed. Now, they regressed because Adams was hurt. And clearly, as we've seen in the playoffs and in FIBA, Jaron Jackson sucks at the five. So now I can for sure say, man, if Adams was there, they'd probably beat the Lakers. But if but only somebody said that, if only somebody said I Memphis did. would not be better this year, if only somebody said that. <laughs> If only somebody would have said, that. Oh, 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 somebody did, but they, yeah, they yeah, caught him. Yeah. But, okay, but bro, okay. injur- injuries was a huge part. But they brought back the same team, and Brooks regressed. Everybody on the wing regressed. Uh, Morant didn't stay healthy. The only guys that like improved was Bain and Jaron, but they were in and out with injuries as well. Well, Bain was for sure. So the, the thing about bringing back your core bringing back the same roster as a young team is, like I stated before. Got to hope these guys take that next step, and they all got to stay healthy. Fox as a bonus has shown they could get nicked, but the key reason why I didn't think the Kings had that playoff progression that they needed, they didn't play defense, and they still don't have defensive personnel. They still don't. So I'm like, okay, how much juice can Mike Brown squeeze from the orange? Like, defensively. Like, how much? And I think that's a worry for me. But, look, I Fox... I think Fox has arrived. I'm proud of him. That's my guy. It's been my dog since day one. And I think he'll be even better in the next few years. But now we're going to have to have a conversation about, all right, is De'Aaron Fox a superstar that you could build around to win a championship? We're pre- we're approaching that conversation. I don't. He's clearly not that right now. 
can he be in the next five years? I don't know. Because historically, whether people like it or not, guards usually don't win rings. Like, uh, guards under 6'3", they don't. The only people that do are two. Isaiah and Curry. Well, yeah, two, really, yeah. Two, yeah. Isaiah and Curry. That's, and Isaiah had a phenomenal team, and he had to change his game <laughs> around the phenomenal team. He was a phenomenal scorer, and then as he reached in his prime, he became more of a 17-10 guy. Steph Curry is the greatest shooter we've ever seen. So, basically, the two guys that had success as championship caliber players, as the best guys in the team, under 6'3", one of them had to change his game. The other one was the greatest shooter known to man. This Fox currently right now have a skill set that I feel like is like, whoa, like that's revolutionary right there. I don't, I don't. I think it's speed. Know. It's speed. I think his speed. His speed is crazy. I think he might be the most, he might be a better John Wall as a scorer. I don't think he's John. I don't. I don't think he's a better John Wall because I think John Wall is a better defender, and I think John Wall is a better playmaker. But I think we haven't seen this level of controlled speed ever since like Rose, and he's able to do it getting to the basket while having the touch around the rim and in the mid range. So that's lethal. He, he kind of reminds me a little bit of um, Tony Parker too. Like. Mm. That might be the good. control of the speed, the way he stops in the paint. And, like, I would love to see, like, um, I think he led the league in paint scoring last year or, or among he guard did. or something like that. And Tony, yeah. Tony Parker used to do that on, a like, every year. A regular. Yeah. He would be, the like, one of the leaders in paint scoring. Um, and now that the, I think De'Aaron developed that mid-range game, I think that took his game to the next level. Um, and he has, like, that that floater too it's like that's what that's what really made him unstoppable in the clutch because it was like okay he's so fast that he's going to get the step on you once right. he gets a step on you is he going to stop in his tracks and pull up is he gonna Correct. take an extra dribble and do that floater that always seemed to go in or i mean he you say he's six three but he's like a sneaky six four six five like he lengthwise is, he is, yeah and he can jump off the gym too um, he can. So, like, if he doesn't do the 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 pull up, he'll take another dribble, do the floater, or he'll take another dribble, and is athletic enough to jump up there with your bigs and finish in traffic or get to the free throw line, and he makes his free throw. So, um, I think if he can do that at an even more efficient level, um, and just learn to get to the more line the line more down the stretch, uh, he can definitely take another step. But should be fun to watch. Yeah, man. Should be fun indeed. I mean, Parker, great example. I think is a combo of Parker and Rose. And I think once he gets to the three ball, he's tough. Because like you stated, he's already a difficult guard because he's fast and his acceleration and agility are unmatched. So he yeah. could go straight line, but he could stop on a dime. Tough footwork, could finish with both hands, and he's got the midi. So can't go wrong there. But right now, currently, Kings, I think it's a tall task to see them be better than what they were a year ago. See them probably, they're going to be a top six seed. They're going to be in the playoffs. But man, I think we, anytime you bring back the same roster from a year ago and you're a young squad, you need one or two of your guys to become all NBA caliber players. We'll see if that happens. But, uh, Clem, always great to talk hoops, brother. Always great to talk hoops. Great to be back talking basketball, man. The season is approaching. In three can't weeks' wait. time, man, what can't you wait to see in the NBA preseason? Just touch base on that before we head out. 
Well, I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not. Eh, no, okay. I am a little. I'm excited to see what the some rookies are, especially Brandon Miller, because um, like we talked about the Brandon Ingram comparison, and yeah, in a world, there's a world where I can see him having a little bit better um, start to his career just because he he can stretch the floor and shoot where yeah. Brandon Ingram couldn't. Um, so I really want to see what he's going to look like um, with Melo and your your Charlotte Hornets. Um, <laughs> I want to see where Dame's going to be, uh, obviously, and if, if he's going to be there for the beginning of the season and whatnot. True. Um, and then also James Harden and all that drama. And then lastly, I want to see what Ben Simmons is going to be because he's – that's true. His confidence yeah. never wavers. It never, never wavers. wavers. He talks like like talk like he ever do. Like the last two years, ain't it didn't happen. So, <laughs> um, really, just want to see what he's gonna be and how long it takes his team's uh, teammates to get sick of him. He's he's kind of turned into like the Rudy Gobert of like like the Australian Rudy Gobert at this point. I think he's worse than Gobert because he doesn't play. Like at least with Gobert, it's like he's available for defensive yeah. um, players of the year. Like you can't deny. I remember seeing something on Twitter. I thought this was hilarious. People were really trying to be like, is Gobert a Hall of Famer? Yeah. <laughs> like, duh. Like, I don't, I mean, he is, bro. But not time for another day. For me, preseason coming up, but I can't wait to see rookies play, man. I want to see how Wimby looks against NBA talent. Um, want to see Brandon Ingram. I'm not Brandon Ingram. Brandon Miller, rather, with better NBA talent with the Charlotte Hornets. Like, mm-hmm. how does his game look? That was tough to analyze against scrubs in the summer league. Um, Scoot Henderson, man, the Scoot Henderson hype has been crazy. I remember when we were first addressing Scoot um, during the finals, a lot of guys were saying, man, Charlotte, you're stupid to not take Scoot. Scoot is a generational talent. I just want to see Scoot's generational talent on display against NBA competition. Um, You brought up Ben yeah. Simmons. I'm curious to see how he looks this time around, which he says, or people in this camp, that he's back, man. He's back. And so when you say he's back, I'm all right. That's what they always say. But when you say he's back, I'm judging Ben Simmons off of how he was when he was in Philly because that's back Ben Simmons. So if he's back to the level, we'll see the Lillard and Harden fiasco. I just want to see the vibe of them come early, like press conference to start the season where where it's clear, like, okay, you're still on the team. Are they going to look committed? I think Damian Lillard will continue to be a professional. James Harden, I doubt. So that would be interesting to see there. And then, uh, really, these young teams, because I got to give this, I like the NBA preseason over the NFL preseason because a lot of young teams prioritize that time period to kind of build and establish a culture to get them ready for the new year. So I want to see what Oklahoma City is building in a year where now they have expectations. People think that they're going to be a playoff team this year. How would they take the preseason? How would they treat that? Um. Cleveland as well. They had a down year in the playoffs. Are they going to use that as motivation to hit the ground running and be successful? And then last but not least, the New Orleans Pelicans. This is a make or break year for them. Zion and Brandon Ingram. I don't expect them to play a ton of preseason games, but when they out when they're finally out there together for the first time in a while, how will their games mesh? Will they have new wrinkles within their offensive system to make things work? And then how will the pieces around them come together? And fit as a whole. But without further ado, man, host Kimbu Romani, my co host Clement Gibson. We'll be back with you guys next week to talk more NBA hoops. But until then, stay tuned. Peace.
we'll be back. <laughs>